hope everybody's having a really good day. Anybody who's watching the replay, I hope you're having a really lovely time. I'm really excited about the way my bookshelf is framed in this. Um, so like if you're watching this, you can see my three wise men, uh, which are my favorite part of the Christmas story because they were astrologers. <laughs> so I always feel a little bit of a, a kinship with them. Um, and I think it's really fun to be able to kind of honor them and respect that the star, whatever combination it was, and we have a couple theories, um, was astrology that brought all that together. Hi, uh, CH TikTok. Good to see you. Thank you guys for being here. I'm going to light a candle and you're going to watch me kind of finagle with this. We are getting close to a new moon and Mercury retrograde and like almost every day for the rest of the year actually has transits. Plus it is the holiday season. So this is a really great time to be working on folk magic if you're interested in it. And I am here to talk about all of that stuff folk magic, astrology, ancient sources that really give us plenty to work with on these. Hey guys, it is good to see you. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, yeah, so it's pretty much just an hour of sitting together and talking about all the stuff. I appreciate you. I actually notice you liking and commenting CH TikTok. Um, I, I, in my head, I always call you chick, chick TikTok. Um, so however you like to be addressed, I really appreciate you. You're awesome. So this is going to be, I'm going to hang out for like an hour or so, and we can just chat about, sorry for what I said during Mercury retrograde, um, or anything like that. Mercury's coming up. It's going to be in retrograde. If you're curious what that means, what Mercury retrograde is, anything about astrology, there is it, like I said, the new moon coming up tomorrow. Um, so we have plenty of ground that we can cover between astrology, folk magic, traditional and ancient texts that really lend themselves to astrology and folk magic and just chatting and anything you guys need to hear right now. I also just want to be here. And uh, one of my favorite things to do with astrology and folk magic is help people to realize how powerful and magical and strong and incredible they are. Uh, typically when I'm doing these things, I am channeling a little bit and I'm really good at giving compliments <laughs> when I'm channeling. So if you're just needing a little pick me up today, uh, we can work on that as well. And oh my gosh, I love that you're also a podcast listener. That is amazing. We've been uh, on the Alchemist Inkwell podcast. We've been doing that for like two years now, which is crazy to think about. And um, yeah, that's gotten on a couple like top 20 and top 100 lists. I don't know when that happened. We got an email recently being like, congratulations. Uh, we are super stoked about that. But um, yeah, it's it's awesome that we get to be there for you guys every week. And actually, thank you for reminding me, CH TikTok, this is going to be an episode on the podcast. So what we're doing right now is I'm going live today to do this podcast episode, chat with you guys, and uh, really just talk about the end of the year, the magic, the astrology of it, um, anything that you need to feel uplifted, give people some uh, ideas on that. And hey, Sarah, um, so this is going to be a podcast episode. So thank you guys for being here, for being a part of it. I hope you don't mind featuring in a podcast. M is also going to be doing a live where that will become a podcast too. So keep an eye out for that. Um, you guys are awesome and I appreciate you. This is super fun. So thank you for being my uh, 
multitudinous guest hosts of the podcast today. This is the Alchemist Inc. podcast, your spiritual podcast for grounded people happening live on TikTok, <laughs> which is super fun. So yeah, if you guys have any questions, anything you want to talk about, put them in the comments. I will do my best to manage them and uh, get to as many of the topics as possible. And what we can start with is the new moon slash Mercury retrograde, since those are going to be happening one right after another. By the time this airs, this will already be um, occurring. And you'll get to listen to my dog as well, because I don't have the fancy sound booth on my little microphone for this. So fun fact about Jack-Jack, he is a corgi, but he is also a Scorpio. So what we come into uh, issues with with him is when he starts barking, that fixity of the Scorpio becomes an obsession and he will just get into it like there's nothing else. There is no Jack. There is only bark. So I do appreciate and uh, I, I'm grateful for your patience and uh, dealing with that. Again, he typically doesn't do it for too, too long, but he may be participating. Sarah, um, this is the candle you made, by the way, the candle I lit at the beginning. I always light it at the beginning of a podcast or uh, a lesson. So thank you for that. Any tips for Leo risings for the retrograde? This is perfect. Yes, I do have tips for Leo risings. So if you are a Leo rising, what you want to do and what everybody wants to do, if you're thinking like, what does this Mercury retrograde mean for me? What you're going to do is look at your chart, knowing your rising sign is the first step. So if you're a Leo rising, for example, you're going to say, okay, Leo's in my first house. Where is Capricorn and where is Sagittarius? And we're going to go through some dates here. So I'm going to walk you through between the 13th of December and the 23rd of December. So those 10 days are when we're going to be looking at, um, you know, turn off invites so we don't have to worry about that. So what we're going to be looking at are those 10 days are when Mercury will be in Capricorn during the Mercury retrograde. So you want to look at Capricorn in your chart. For example, if you are a Leo rising, you're going to be starting at Leo. So you can start at Leo on the chart. And of course, mine isn't starting at Leo, but you start at Leo from one and then you count uh, backwards zodiacally. No, sorry, forward zodiacally. But if you're looking at your chart, you'll just look for where Capricorn is. Capricorn is like a V with a weird squiggle on it. So it's a V and then it tends to go like that. It's almost like a V and a cursive G next to each other. That's the symbol you're likely going to be looking for. And when we look at uh, Leo, it's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. Um, it's the sixth house, my bad, sixth house from Leo. So then you're going to look up keywords for the sixth house. If you Google keywords for the sixth house, you will come up with plenty to work with. And what I recommend is let those be inspiration for you. They are not the only things that the sixth house can do. You want to understand the vibe of those words. So the sixth house that we talk about is going to be uh, the sixth house of health and service is typically the two main keywords that we use, especially Hellenistically in ancient astrology. So your physical health, often this is going to show up in the form of your stress levels. It also talks about like your daily routine and work. So your day job, this is why I kind of bring them together as your stress levels, like how taxed are you right now? And the fun fact is you will already know a little bit about this because Mercury has been preparing to retrograde. It's been covering the degrees that it's going to walk back over for a couple weeks now. So you will have been, in fact, I can let you know what date this happened. 
starting around the 1st of December, you would have started noticing some themes coming up in your life, probably around health, work, day job, or being of service to others. And these are the themes that you have plenty of time to work on. That's kind of how I like to talk about it. This is the thing that we're going to be walking back over and then walking back over again as Mercury moved forward. We'll now move backwards and then we'll move forward again after the retrograde when the retrograde ends on January 1st. So think about anything around health and routines and things that you've been thinking about for yourself in your day job of like, mm, I think I need to change something around this and then experiment with it for the period of time, particularly the opportunities will make themselves available and abundant between the 13th of December and the 23rd. After the 23rd, you're going to notice that you start thinking maybe a little bit more about your fifth house topics, because that's going to be Sagittarius for you as a Leo rising. This is a little bit more fun. It's creativity. It's um, self-expression. It can be, it's associated with creativity and children, like, often. So what that means is, again, the self-expression, the wonderment that goes into things. It can mean your children in certain cases, which means you might just have some things coming up where you're working with kids or your kids or something like that. Mercury retrograde does not have to be an omen of doom. It's not like it's an eclipse or anything. So you don't have to be scared about it. The fifth house is actually one of the good houses. So it's the house of small fortunes. Um, so it's actually totally a, a nice place to be having things. The one thing we want to keep in mind is that Mercury is in detriment in Sagittarius. This is your fifth house. This is you know, some house for everyone because everybody has Sagittarius in their chart. So you want to think about, you know, where am I feeling overwhelmed in these areas of creativity of, um, you know, finding rest, finding joy, allowing fun in my life? Do I feel like I'm doing the things that are actually fun for me? Or do I feel like I'm doing what's supposed to be fun for me? Maybe redefine that and do things that you want to be doing rather than what you feel like you have to be doing. So that is kind of what I would keep it to for Leo Risings. Um, I do see we have a couple other people who are interested. So I'm going to come back and recap some of my uh, comments here. Some of you know Jack Jack. Yeah, he is, he's the best. And Zelda is over here being a very good girl. She will instigate barking later if she sees something though. So don't think that she's not part of the, uh, the scheming. Mercury um, typically will be responsible for smaller animals. Fun fact, dogs are ruled by Mars and both of my dogs are Aries moons. I don't know how this happened, but it, it definitely shows. Um, so Sarah said that I think it's cool that Mercury retrograde is coming back almost to the degree of the uh, NM. Is that, do you mean North? Hmm. Oh, new moon, new moon when it's done. Yes. Um, yes, actually, very good uh, observation. Sarah, you're really great with your astrology. Um, Okay, so let's look at tips for Aries. So tips for an Aries rising. Again, you're going to want to look at where Capricorn is in relation to your chart. So for an Aries rising, Capricorn is going to be in the 10th house. So you're looking at similar things to what I talked about. You probably have noticed since the beginning of December, stuff around your reputation, your career, um, and the work that you do. Not all of us are living a career that is what we feel is like our purpose in life. Some of us actually fund our purpose in life with a day job. And that's totally great because it gives you the freedom to do what you want to do without having to meet expectations of others. So don't think that one is better than the other. So I say career and life's work or life purpose or direction. 
Those are things that you may have been feeling maybe a little bit um, antsy about, like, I really need to figure this out. I really need to figure this out, but I don't know how to figure it out right now. That's okay. You've got time because we have Mercury retrograde occurring in Capricorn, which is your 10th house. So you will have um, more time to ruminate on this, to try out different things, to think about how you actually feel and what you actually want. And you might have some solutions around that coming up before the 23rd of December or around that time. That doesn't mean it finishes by then. We're going to look into January for when we might actually get the full resolution once Mercury covers those degrees for the final time. But after the 23rd, Mercury will go back into Sagittarius, which for you is the ninth house. So this is the things that the set up your worldview that then becomes the way you enact your purpose. So ninth house is really cool. It's like spirituality, religion, um, politics, all the things you don't talk about at the dinner table <laughs> happen in the ninth house. It is a cadent house, which usually means it's one of those that's sort of out of the limelight where the 10th house is the limelight. But this is who you are and then how you inform yourself, what you base your values on when you do finally step on stage and show people the version of you that you want to be seen. So this is a time of doing research on philosophy, of doing research on your politics, asking yourself why you believe what you believe, and then having a really great time understanding your why when it comes to that. So that later, if something ever kind of tempts you to doubt yourself, you can remember that you have experience, that you have understanding and education to be able to say, mm, I believe this because this, that is allowed to grow, but it is you know, unshakable. I won't let it crumble down to the ground because I do my work and I'm, I'm learning all the time. Hence for your Leo rising. Grading back over your sun. Again, you will have already noticed something about that because Mercury is now at eight degrees, we'll stop at this eight degrees and then we'll move backwards. So this is not something brand new. It's something that you will readdress or you know revisit. So you can think about it as um, just again, having plenty of time to work things out especially surrounding your personal energy with Leo and it being your sixth house. This is a thing where I would say, again, what is your daily routine and does it need to be changed up a little bit? Like, have you gotten really good at lifting this weight and maybe it's time to increase or decrease weight if you've been trying to push yourself too much and thinking about things like that. So just reassessing your routines and how they build up to holistic health in favor of your wellness in all sorts, especially when it comes to stress. Um, so especially with your son there, that is your vital energy. So that's why I'm drawing that in even more. And it can help you some under understand some more things about yourself too. Cool. Yeah, Sarah, thank you for helping me figure out the new moon. Um, yep, I did. That's cool. Awesome. I'm just catching up on the comments here. Sarah's also asking, is this a good moon for moon water and charging? If it is, what do you recommend using the water for? So this is a new moon. Um, and here's where I get to bring in astrological magic. Fun fact about the lunations, and the lunations are new moon, full moon. So now you have a fancy word for something that's really easy to remember. The new moon that is happening on the 12th of December is a new moon in Sagittarius. So the moon actually doesn't have any light. So if you're trying to charge your moon water, it might be better done under a full moon. And in fact, the next full moon will be in Cancer, which is the moon's sign. So that's a lovely one to work with. Um, I think, and I can look at this. Um, let me just really quickly confirm the full moon in Cancer and how the moon is doing on the chart. We have a nice, a nice um, mutually applying sextile with Jupiter that day, trine, Saturn, opposite the sun, but it would be. 
So I would use the um, full moon to charge up any moon water. And if you're doing that, honestly, I would take that moon water, I would put it into a bath because this is a moon in cancer. And so you're gonna wanna do things that rejuvenate yourself, that give you rest and that give you um, refill your cup, so to speak. So for the, the full moon coming up in cancer on the 26th, unwind from all the Christmas or the holiday festivities and then give yourself the opportunity to have this really amazing spa day, whatever that looks like for you giving yourself the chance to get your energy back. And then um, there also may be opportunities to nurture others, depending on how this is occurring in your chart. You wanna check where cancer is in your chart and see where that's happening. If it's on the angles, this might be something that's more noticeable for you. The angles are your first house, your 10th house, your seventh house, and your fourth house. You'll notice they are the sort of cross on the chart. So if it's happening in any of those for you, then you will notice that, yeah, this is something that you're noticing a little bit more prominent in your life. It's happening front and center. The other ones maybe even more relaxed. So there's that opportunity as well. Awesome. As far as the new moon and getting back to talking about astrological magic, the reason I bring that in is the new moon is considered uh, burned up by the sun unless it is exactly at the new moon. And I'm talking 20 degrees and 40 minutes of the moon being in Sagittarius exact with the sun, then you have a Kazemi sort of circumstance where the moon is purified. But on either side of that, you have a burned up moon unable to do what the moon needs to do. And the moon is integral in astrological magic, as well as in most folk magic practices. They honor the phase of the moon in a lot of things. Astrological magic is like the moon cannot be uh, inhibited, cannot be uh, afflicted in any way because the moon is our translator. We rely on the moon to allow all of this stuff to filter down to us. So this is why we connect with the moon so well, because she's really giving us all of the, the, this is what they're saying. This is what they mean. And here's how you can use it. I think astrologers in, in modern times with coaching skills and things like that act very lunar in that way. And so you want to make sure that if you're doing a new moon thing, let it be the day after the new moon. When you can see the moon in the sky again, you can start thinking about new moon stuff that you want to do, things that increase in energy. And that initiatory thing that you may be inspired toward will be of that Sagittarius nature from the new moon. So on that day, sit with yourself, be inspired, and then decide what actions you may want to take that are aligned with, with anything that you feel drawn towards. And then once the moon is visible again, give her about 15 degrees. So it's roughly a day. Uh, and then you can start working with that. Now, the full moon, same thing. I would wait until either she is totally exact with the sun, uh, opposition wise. So that would be for reference. You want to wait until the moon is at four degrees and 58 minutes of cancer, or you want to wait until the next day. She will still be in cancer the next day as well. So that's really nice. Charging your... Um, your moon water under a full moon as it's separating from the sun is going to be great because any kind of affliction from that opposition, which is a challenging aspect with the sun, uh, any kind of affliction from that will have already occurred because it's separating, it is past. So that is kind of some astrological magic 101. Always check your moon. Yeah. Um, okay. Coming down. Um, and moon water can be done on any moon cycle, unless it's an eclipse. Don't do eclipse water. That's, I mean, you can, I don't know what you would use it for. Um, it's kind of one of the analogies my mentor and I use is that moon water is like 
corrupted well water when it's done under an eclipse because the moon is corrupted, the light is blocked and, and you know, you get this, um, it's almost like if you wanted to compare not as good city kind of water to like Lake Tahoe water, which is super pure and really good, that's where your moon water would normally want to be. If it's super filtered and it's got all kinds of stuff put into it, that might be more like eclipse water and it might not be the best results. Um, so it's not as cleansing as you would like. Uh, so oop, let me come down here. Yeah, Sarah, I am so excited too. So Sarah's bringing up Small Magics. Um, that is the book that we are reading in the book club. So I run the Modern School of Ancient Wisdom book club on Patreon, and we are currently reading Small Magics. There is some uh, reference to the moon in this. Uh, she mentions knowing astrology and, and finding ways to learn it a little bit more. She doesn't tackle it here, but that's what you guys in the book club have me for. So we can talk about that if that becomes a question that you have more of, Sarah, or anybody else who's watching that is in the uh, book club. Um, you can join on Patreon. There is a link where the links go. Um, and I, I have so much fun in there. <laughs> it's one of my like greatest loves is being able to uh, walk us through conversation surrounding texts that tell us what to do. Now, we're also going to be covering philosophy and astrology, and we've done some magical worldview stuff already. And uh, now we're working on some folk magic. We can talk about folk healing. It's just all the things that make you feel grounded and like you understand why you're doing what you're doing and how to do it in the best way so that you know what works and you've got your roots all set up and then you can grow from there in conversation with people who are doing the same thing. So it's super duper fun. Um, yeah, so uh, CH TikTok, you can join through Patreon, the Modern School of Ancient Wisdom. I'm working on my logo right now. It's making me very happy, but I'm also not as tech savvy as I should be, and I'm trying to do it during Mercury Retrograde. So new logo, TBA. Um, hello, Jenny from Oregon. Great to see you. Sarah says, it's fun in there. Better when I figure out time zones. I know, but again, Mercury was pre-shadow. And uh, Sarah, I do have your chart. I could look it up <laughs> because you were a forgotten storyteller as well. Um, so Sarah, for you, we have this retrograde happening in your eighth house and ninth house where it's getting started. So it, you know, it's going to be a really good time to be reading books. So this is fantastic. I'm excited to be doing that along with you. All right. Speaking of magic, can you explain how to do a locator spell? Um, so a locator spell as in like, where's this lost item? If you could specify that for me, I will definitely go into what I know about it. Um, what I will say is typically when I've lost an item, my first reaction is either chat with the Fae and say, where did it go? I'm a creature of habit. Typically, I will have put something down where it belongs. And if it's not there, I'm not entirely sure that it was me that did that. So I will say, you know, to any Fae or anything that's trying to get my attention, you have it. This was a fun game. I do need this thing back. But if there's something you need from me, let me know, make it obvious, and I will do what I can. I also, um, before we moved, we lost like, my passport, which was weird. We lost, um, there were a couple different things like a computer charger, which was my, my travel charger. They all got lost in this abyss of my husband's room. And I started appealing to the Fae because I thought, and, and M actually said this as well, maybe the Fae were mad that we were moving. And so I put out shiny coins for them. And then finally I said, you know, this is happening in your room. Maybe it's something that they want to talk to you about. He put out uh, sugar in his windowsill. And two days later, I kid you not, he pulls out a backpack for no reason, pulls out my passport. This was a backpack we had checked five times, 
pulls out my passport and I said, oh, great. Can you find my charger in there as well? And he said, no, and then pulled out my charger and it was there. So it was pretty cool. Sometimes you want to uh, appeal to the Fae. Other times you can douse. Now, this requires you to uh, really trust your own body or to get dowsing rods. You can get the metal ones at a good holistic shop. You can make dowsing rods out of wood and some really neat charms, which um, if I remember, I can do in the Patreon. If you're in the Patreon book club tier, you also get like making magic and elections and all this other stuff. So I'll post a video in there for the making magic tier and higher on how to do dowsing rods. And then they will guide you um, by being crossed when you're closer to something or by moving in the direction of something. Hopefully my hands are showing up well or um, going really wide when you're not close to something. You can use them to find water, but you can also use them to find objects and just say, point me in the direction of. You can do that with your hands as well. So if you put your hands out in front of you, arms up and then just say, you know, where is this? And just detach from your hands for a second and just allow them to push you in a, a different direction. Um, that might also help and say, I really, I'm looking to find this and then just see where they kind of guide you and, and let yourself be guided in a direction more intuitively or somatically. Um, that can help. I remember one time I've, I've gotten so good at allowing my body to have its own voice, <laughs> which is good in some situations and sometimes a little bit complicated, um, that I neurologically cannot tell my left from my right. But one day I was trying to figure out which foot was the right foot and my hand pointed at it before my brain caught up with me. So you can have that communication. We actually have a body talk uh, podcast episode that you can look up as well. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit about the locator spell. I also will resort to horary astrology where you can ask a chart to help you find things and it will give you context. And I've had a lot of good experience with that. That does require uh, understanding of horary astrology though, which is its own branch of study. So I recommend dowsing and the fae um, in a respectful communication that way. And if you do have uh, experience with astrology, horary astrology, it's a very useful tool. I know you can also use um, tarot for that kind of stuff just to get the idea of where it is. Um, if you've been looking for something for weeks, another thing I would consider is uh, what I would call a prayer bowl or a worry bowl. I showed a video on this a couple weeks ago where you just write down like my keys, put them in the bowl, and now you're putting it out to the universe to bring them back to you. It's like a manifesting technique, um, but that also counts as a spell. So hopefully some of those feel doable. Um, Sarah says, my words have been having such a hard time being clear right now. I hope it improves during the retrograde. What the retrograde may ask, Sarah, is that you take your time letting the words come out and give yourself the opportunity to pause. I totally, as you can see, understand the pressure to speak as quickly as possible and not have sort of dead air in a conversation. But one of the things that I constantly am reminded uh, is that it does help to allow yourself the opportunity to pause, to allow yourself the opportunity to think and to say, hmm, let me think about that for a second. If you feel like you might be interrupted for pausing, which a lot of female presenting people uh, do experience. And that's why we use filler words so much or the word like so much is because we're trying to take up that space so someone doesn't come in and swoop it out from us. You can say, give me a minute to think about that. Hang on, I have some ideas. And then people will wait because they know that the cue is not theirs yet. Uh, that might help. Um, so you haven't seen your watch in weeks and you searched, you asked St. Anthony, I asked my house, nothing. Watches are shiny. So I do wonder 
if something like that is uh, something that the Fae were interested in. So I would, uh, I would wonder about that. The Fae tend to respond to shiny and sweet things. So if you put out a little bit of sugar or something like that, you'll notice, um, I mean, I wouldn't try it, but it has been marked and noted that when we give offerings, the, the sugar may not disappear. It will lose its sweetness if you were to taste it. So they kind of draw out the essence of it. And then um, you know it's been used. You don't have to test it to find that out. It's just something to know that you're not expecting it to disappear before you get your answers. It's That's how they kind of work. Uh, Jenny says, I lost so many things last week. It was ridiculous. It was either me or something else. And again, we're getting ready for Mercury retrograde. So things may get lost that will be found during Mercury retrograde or found after Mercury retrograde. That is definitely something uh, to keep in mind. Sarah said, I'll remind you if you need. It would be cool to learn how to do dowsing rods. Thank you, Sarah. I know I can actually really trust you to help me with that. And it's, it's actually pretty easy. So I have no problem doing that. I think that'll be really, really fun. Um, so it's a smart watch that was lost. I guess I didn't think it was shiny enough for them. It is also technology. I noticed that Fae tend to be a very mercurial kind of nature. Um, so shiny is also really intriguing kind of things. Like imagine what it looks like energetically to them. A technology that is producing that much energy and always kind of glowing with that. If you're someone who can see auras and you look at your smartwatch, it's got an aura to it. Uh, so it might be something that's very fascinating, kind of like Ariel to the various objects, like a dingle hopper. So yeah. Hi, uh, Kristen Riddle. Great to see you. So this has been really fun to, to talk about. We still have time for sure. Uh, any other questions regarding Mercury retrograde? Any questions regarding the new moon? We've talked a little bit about the full moon. I can go over that again as well. And folk magic in general. This has been so great. Hang on. Sarah says it would be so magical to the Fae. Uh, it would look so magical to the Fae, I would imagine. A smartwatch's aura. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think about the aura of a smartwatch. Yeah, that came in as a ping. So I'm really starting to think that our situation here might be a Fae situation since it came through like that. Um, yeah, Kristen, I have no idea what's happening. Can you catch me up? We're having a chat. Um, we've covered things like Mercury retrograde and the astrology for the rest of the year. There's a couple of things I could still talk about that are kind of nice. Um, anybody who's in the, the book club or the Patreon will have gotten the election for the end of December, which I can talk about here a little bit as well. Um, and we're just talking folk magic, astrology, ways to make the most out of the rest of the year. And we kind of got on a tangent about Faye, who may have been taking some things from some people. So it's that kind of conversation. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying. And also, by the way, this is a uh, podcast episode that we are recording live. This is going to be one of our episodes to help us fill in the space so that we can honor the holiday season with our family. So Em will also be doing a live broadcast and these will be aired. I believe this one will be aired next Monday. Um, and then the Monday after that, actually, I think next Monday we have a guest. Uh, her name is Erin. Their name is Erin Fogel. And a wonderful astrologer, but also does some really cool things with energy modalities. We will be interviewing Erin Fogel on the podcast uh, the week of the 18th of December. So it should come out then. And then the weeks after, you'll probably see this episode and M's episode. So this is uh, timely for the live and a really great retrospective and second half of Mercury Retrograde episode for anybody who's catching it after the fact. 
Uh, Jenny, I appreciate you so, so much. You have no idea how much joy I get from people who listen to the podcast because it it's one of my favorite things in the whole world. And I just love that it is supported and that it's beneficial and provides value for people. So thank you for that affirmation. It's very much appreciated. Also, you guys, um, one of the things to keep in mind is that other ways to find people who get you, you know, TikTok is an incredible community. The podcast is an incredible community where online we get to really interact with people who finally get us. You know, you finally find that spiritual community that you're looking for. And one of the things that Rebecca from as Rebecca the Ghost Guide and, and myself really are passionate about and have been planning for a year is this wonderful intimate conference happening in Richmond called the Sacred Spaces Gathering. There are still tickets available. And the tickets are limited for the purpose of the fact that everybody who's there will get to know the people who are there and we will be able to get to know them on a more intimate level. And there's so many cool things that we'll be doing, including workshops on folk magic, on astrology, on communicating with your guides and creating your own universal language is one that Em's going to be doing uh, on responsible uh, paranormal practices with Rebecca and so many more amazing things. We're actually going to kick it off with a therapist who's going to help us kind of bring together the healthy way of using magic and getting into that kind of radical healing that we can use with magic as well. So I'm very excited. This is something I've not seen done this way before. And it's an honor and a privilege to be able to not only be a part of organizing something like this, but to be in the host city. It's where I live. Um, we also have, we're going to wrap the whole thing up with a sound healing from a wonderful local shop owner called Mama Luna. And there's going to be a, um, a VIP option if you want, where we will have a spiritual scavenger hunt that will take you to Mama Luna's and a couple really cool things on top of that. So a speed read event where you get to have multiple experiences with readers of different modalities and finish it off with a nice cleansing of your energy so that you can integrate it really well. Um, cool. So Aaron, hey, any relationship advice for those who have been walking on eggshells? He's an Aquarius rising. Oh, he's an Aries rising Aquarius sun. My question is, Aaron, this is less astrology, more life coaching. Hi, I've got certifications. Um, but why are we walking on eggshells? If this is a person who is making you walk on eggshells, maybe there's a conversation that needs to be had, even if it's not comfortable. And perhaps if we're looking at the Mercury retrograde, this is a good time to let yourself not have the right words, but have the right feelings and, you know, be as authentic and genuine as you can. You know, if he's an Aries rising and an Aquarius sun, I get how conversations may feel very interesting and intriguing and sometimes cerebral. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's not a soul in there who's willing to connect. And if there isn't a connection, that's something you've got to work with your boundaries on too and, and make sure that you're both getting what you need out of the relationship. But my first question would be in this relationship, you know, why are we walking on eggshells? What's creating that? Um, and so... That's where I would go with that is answer that question first for yourself and get some clarity on where you are because you should always feel empowered to be able to be who you are. I understand that's not us 100% of the time. We all have moments where we don't feel that way, myself included. Um, but it is a good question to fall back to and reset with so that you know where you're going and you know what you deserve. Um, Kristen, thank you for commenting about how cute my corgis are. I am inclined to agree with you. They are the best. Um, they're sweethearts, but they also, like I said, they are Aries sons. Uh, 
And fun fact about the corgi, so Jack is older. He's the, the brown one, or he's considered red. And he looks like your queen's corgi. And he is a Scorpio. I don't know necessarily his rising sign, but I do know his moon because I know the day he was born. So he's a Scorpio sun with an Aries moon, Mars, Mars. And you can tell he's very uh, feisty that way, but can really get into that Scorpio brooding, which I relate to as a Scorpio rising. Zelda is younger. She is a Virgo sun and she is also an Aries moon. And so you just got to look out whenever they start getting in competition, but she, she definitely runs the house and will micromanage Jack Jack. It is really funny to watch that Virgo really come out. She had a health issue at one point that she is totally fine with now. She totally recovered. But my coping mechanism as I was scared was to look at the timing of the astrology and see what transits were happening and then try to figure out if this were a timing technique, what would her rising sign be? Uh, and I did, I did actually come up with uh, sort of reverse rectification for Zelda based on health things that she was going through at the time. And fortunately, it also helped me detach so that um, I was able to support her as much as possible as she navigated that and came through totally great. She's a beautiful baby girl. Um, yeah, so again, I could talk about them all day. I'm kind of, <laughs> I, I definitely view them as extensions of my energy. Um, Jenny also wanted to let me know Oh, your mom loves the podcast and found it really helpful. That is so cool that you and your mom listen. There's, there's a huge, amazing magic that comes with the bond between a maternal figure and, you know, whoever we are, whoever our maternal figures are and whoever, like the sort of mentor student thing, the mother maiden thing, uh, maiden mother crone, whichever phase you want to consider. There is something really incredible there. And I love that that's very uh, alive for the two of you. So thank you for telling me about that. Um, and Aaron says, you know, I'm an Aries sun, Scorpio rising, Gemini moon. Yep. Um, so Aaron, because we have the opportunity, um, if something does come up, you know where you can post this, where we can work on this more uh, personally, because you are a forgotten storyteller. So we can work on that together, uh, especially if it becomes writer's block. We don't want that to happen. So this is a good uh, opportunity to post in the group unless it really becomes a theme attract, like attached to your book, we can also talk about that in a Q&A. Awesome. Kristen, I do birth chart readings. Yes, I do them through my website, modernschoolofancientwisdom.com. I do birth chart readings where like, if you just want to understand your chart better, pop into a birth chart reading. I also do lifestyle strategy with people where I become your personal astrologer and we meet a couple times a year to really strategize and get your goals aligned. I, I become your life coach, astrologer, folk healer, folk magic mentor, all the things that I can do, you get access to. Uh, and we get to meet regularly, which really helps for building specific things with the astrology because we know what your life is doing. So we know where it might be headed along with those themes. It's a really incredible experience that I enjoy a lot. Um, and then there's also, if you're learning astrology, I offer mentorship as well. Um, yeah, Sarah, you are an amazing being. I just adore you. Um, yeah, so Kristen is a Libra sun and moon and rising is Leo. So a Libra new moon. That's pretty cool. Um, these last eclipses must have been an interesting time for you as well back in October. So I hope you're taking gentle care of yourself. It's, uh, it's going to be a time of those eclipses happening. So give yourself plenty of time to integrate, to process, to whatever you need to with anything that might be going on around you right now. Um, 
but you are a Leo rising, so I'm sure that you will be um, handling things with grace and humility with that sun being in Libra as well. Yeah. Uh, how do you find your moon? So Jenny, you want to look at your astrology chart and the little crescent moon is going to be the glyph that you're looking for on the chart of symbols. It's a crescent moon, wherever that is on your chart, you look at the sign that it's in. Beneath it, typically, you'll have a sign symbol um, and you can look at it there. I know a lot of websites will actually just tell you when you go beneath the chart, you'll see your sun, moon and rising. Um, for example, astro-seek.com is my personal favorite website that is free. Um, and you can find a lot of information there. Uh, the person who does it will always be doing it for free, offers incredible stuff that you can do in there. There's stuff in there I can do that I can't do in the paid programs I have. And it's very in-depth. An incredible astrologer runs it and just does it as a passion project. So I highly recommend supporting them. Using the website is how they get all the monetary value out of it that they can. You don't have to pay for anything and it looks like you never will. So, and it also looks like we're finding some good sinistry here too. Yeah, AstroSeek, that's my favorite one, astro-seek.com. Yeah. Um, Sarah, I love being an Aquarius moon. It's helped me understand why I have been like all my life and so different from your sister and mom. It's really fun, isn't it, when you get into the sinistry? I, I know that when I got into astrology, which was a shifty kind of position for such a, a foundational Christian family, um, I sought permission from God for that. And I literally was one of the first times where I said, if you want me to do this, you need to make it obvious because it feels like sacrilege or something. And it became very obvious that I needed to do it. So um, when I ended up doing it, I did my chart, my mom's chart, you do your whole family's chart when you're learning and uh, showed it to my mom when I did my first written report of ours. And she was just like, it's always been there. And the acceptance that you reach of people being who they are and the ability to love them unconditionally for that because you have evidence that that's who they're supposed to be is an incredible thing to experience. Yeah. Uh, Kristen said, there's so much we will talk about. I'm looking forward to the future. Yeah. Nice to meet you too, Kristen. It's so good to see, uh, to see you here. And I'll look forward to any interaction that we get in the future. It's going to be great. I am certified in under understanding human design. I don't think you need it to, uh, added on to astrology. Human design is a combination of astrology, fung, not feng shui, sorry. Um, oh, where are the words? Teaching and uh, a couple other things. And I, I have personal questions about its origins. To me, it seems to have taken a bunch of different things that work really well and have amazing traditions of their own and then kind of mushed them together. And though it's accurate, so are those things individually. So I uh, did get certified in understanding human design and found that I could find everything in human design in astrology as well. So there's nothing that you're missing um, from one or the other. And my personal preference in my experience has been the astrology, which has thousands of years of data for me to gather. Whereas human design, when I would even ask the mentors and read the textbooks, they couldn't give me a lot of whys to things. And as someone with a lot of Capricorn in their chart, I really like to know why. So I decided to continue with the thing that had the most foundation that I felt I could stand firmly on. Now, people out there who do human design can be really passionate about it. You may find, a, find an amazing person who can do a reading for you but I prefer to stick with the astrology and help you that way because it's a language that I resonate really well and it's my love language to the people around me. So I hope that that's a satisfying response. 
Um, yeah, Melly Tonin. That is one of the best names I think I've ever seen, especially now as we're in the shorter days of the year. Hi, it's good to see you. Um, <laughs> Kristen says, you're so smart. So happy I stayed for this live. Thank you. I'm happy you're here too. And I really appreciate the compliment. Uh, thank you so much for that. All right. Kaylin or Clint, welcome. We have a couple, like 15 more minutes that I get to hang out with you guys and we can chat some more. So if there are any other questions going on about the end of the year, about the astrology, about the folk magic, about Mercury retrograde, so many things happening. And as we're kind of waiting for those questions, I will let you know, as I mentioned before, the people in the um, Modern School of Ancient Wisdom book club on Patreon received a, uh, a magical election that I do every month. And I chose the end of December. And I will let you guys know on that a little bit um, what that's about. So basically what we're seeing is at the end of December, there's a cool thing happening with the two benefics. The two benefics are the really positive periods or planets in the sky. And that is Jupiter and Venus. And at the end of the year, Jupiter, who has been retrograde for quite a while, uh, is going to be going direct again. And when he does, he is direct in Taurus while Venus is in Sagittarius. So this may be like lighting up some of you who are learning astrology. Jupiter rules Sagittarius. That's where Venus is. Venus rules Taurus. That's where Jupiter is. They have this commonality between them that's called mutual reception. And they will both be direct right at the end of the year, like truly at the end of the year on December 30th, right before New Year's Eve. So we'll have that mutual reception. Um, that is the time I just chose New Year's Eve because it's also magical because people have given it meaning in that sense. Uh, it doesn't have astrological significance or any seasonal significance other than the fact that we have decided our calendar starts at that date. But because we have decided that we've made it pretty magical by intention. So New Year's Eve has this added benefit of mutual uh, reception between the two benefics which is just saying that Jupiter and Venus are having a really great conversation and we can make the most of it. So around New Year's Eve, setting intentions and good wishes for the new year, totally applicable. And if you are in the book club, I gave a lot more um, astrological magic context and intentions to set along with it too. But anybody here, just knowing that there's extra magic going on at the end of the year, I hope is uh, really helpful and nice. So um, catching up on my comments here. Sarah says, I'm so comforted. You said that about human design. I prefer astrology as well. I, I have a feeling you and I would agree on that, Sarah. Yeah, there's there's definitely a resonance there. Um, Jess says, what are your thoughts on the pattern app? I haven't dealt with the pattern app in a while. I think from what I've heard is that it improved. I, again, wish they gave you the why. You know, they tell you what's going on and what you might know that day. And they do the work for you, which is nice. But I would also like to be learning at the same time. So that's a personal preference. Um, I think they've got some good stuff going on, but I wish they, the way I want to say it is I wish they respected the, um, the level of understanding of their, their clientele more so that you could feel like I know this, not just because I'm told what to believe, but because I can then track it myself and see if that resonates with me, because sometimes it's going to resonate amazing. Uh, and other times it may be a little bit generic just because there's so many factors going on. And I want, I would love for people to be able to make those decisions for themselves um, so the pattern app is great. I prefer astrology apps for astrology. I know the pattern app also incorporates a couple other things, but I think they do it in a nice enough way. It's a good app. I think it's entertainment and good entertainment. I don't know that I would use it for my astrology app that I would make decisions uh, inspired by. 
And that's how I think it should be anyway. You should be inspired to make decisions, not uh, coerced into making decisions based on the tools that you use. Um, yeah, Melitonin. Hi, why does the shadow period more challenging than the retrograde itself? There's a reason for this. I get to do my, um, my thing here. Okay. So first of all, what is the shadow period of Mercury retrograde? Melitonin, you get it. But if you are watching the video of this, you're going to see I have a crystal and I have a fidget toy. The fidget toy is smaller than the crystal. And these are going to be my sun and the moon. You are the earth. I actually, I used to say my head was the earth, but it's easier for you to understand it because you can see it. So you are the earth. This crystal is the sun and this fidget toy is Mercury. What we're dealing with in Mercury retrograde is the direct version of Mercury retrograde when, Mer well, sorry, Mercury direct is when Mercury is actually going on the opposite side of the sun than we are. And then as we know, Mercury goes around in a circle around the sun, just like we do. But when you put that flat, you're actually going to see it go around flattened in 2D instead of 3D. So when Mercury is direct, we're watching it go behind the sun and then come back around. And then it goes retrograde simply because it's moving in front of the sun. And from our perspective, that looks like back and forth instead of circular. So your pre-shadow is Mercury covering the degrees for the first time before it reaches elongation, which is the point where it turns and pivots and then moves backwards and covers those degrees again. Then it'll reach another elongation and go direct. So that's Mercury retrograde. The pre-shadow seems most difficult because it is the introduction of what we're going to be talking about throughout the retrograde and post-shadow. So let's think about this as we would a story or a movie. In the beginning of the movie, everything falls apart because you have to know what it is that was meant to break so that it can fix. So in the beginning of the movie, we have the call to action, the rising action, and you get to the climax and it's like, oh man, there's so much I have to do now. And then the falling action. The pre-shadow is the rising action. It's the call to adventure. It's the, hey, this doesn't work. I'm going to make it break so that you know that it needs some time spent on revitalizing it. The retrograde period is the hero moving towards that goal, figuring out how to get there, putting things together, having aha moments throughout the retrograde. And then when Mercury moves direct again, we have this, I finally understand, and now I can move forward. It's the resolution of the story and the new world that we come into. So hopefully that kind of helps understand how if it's going to break, it's probably going to start breaking or introduce its breakage in the pre-shadow phase. And then if you've done a really good job of, of moving in alignment up until then, you might have a pretty smooth Mercury retrograde. If you've done the work, it will show. Maybe some things will still be hiccups, but it probably won't be as bad as it could have been. If things were overlooked and weren't noticed, they will break more noticeably during Mercury retrograde, and then you can fix them or find alternatives. And then once Mercury moves direct again, we get to really put that final phase in. I like to think about it as pre-shadow, is the first draft of a story. The retrograde is when you're going back and you're editing, you're changing the story and you're plugging things in and all these things. And then the post shadow when it's direct again is the polishing, just dotting your I's, crossing your T's, making it really presentable so that it can be shared with other people. So um, hopefully that makes it clear, but let me know if it doesn't. We still have a couple minutes I can elaborate. Uh, definitely want to know what to expect for the end of the year. The end of the year has on a national scale, on a global scale, some interesting things uh, going on that I will be watching the headlines just to see. I'm experimenting with timing techniques 
So I don't want to say too much because I can't with confidence predict with them yet because I have, I don't have enough evidence and I want a lot of evidence. I've got some good evidence, but I want a lot of evidence before I go making claims that I can use this technique competently. Um, but I think we're going to see a lot of action in the headlines. Um, and, you know, so maybe some conflicts and things like that. But I think on a personal level, we do have this really lovely full moon coming in, um, in Cancer. We do have the mutual reception with Jupiter and Venus. So I think it's really going to be an interesting time, especially with the Mercury retrograde, to focus on your joy, to focus on where you can find peace and meaning and closure for things that you need closure on in your world, and to remember that you are a spark of divine creativity and that the world is doing a lot of things, but that doesn't make you not important and that doesn't make your decisions any less impactful. And so you can make your world as magical as you want it to be. And in turn, that will cause a ripple effect in the bigger world. And that is um, something that we can trust. Well, sorry about uh, the random phone call. That's very Mercury retrograde too. Um, okay, yeah. And Jenny is thoughts on angel numbers. Angel numbers are something that I think you know when they're meaningful. I'm not sure that every time 222 happens, it's meaningful, but I do know that when I'm looking for something and it shows up, I take that as a note to keep having faith, to keep, to keep um, believing that there is positivity. So I think it's very much like things from our guides. You know, M always talks about having validations from your guide. And so not every rainbow is going to be a sign from your guide, but when it's timed perfectly, you know. So I think if you're asking for, for a sign and you see angel numbers, that's great. I think that sometimes you can see angel numbers and they'll remind you to pay attention to something, which is great as well. Um, there's not a whole lot of structure to get into behind it. So it's really, does it feel meaningful for you? Then it's probably meaningful, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, CH TikTok says, personally, I like seeing repeating numbers sort of lets me know I'm on the right track. Exactly, you know, you get it inherently. Um, and I think that that's totally valid. Uh, Quinn, thoughts on quitting a job during Mercury retrograde? If it's something that you've been thinking about for a while and it's not making you happy and that's, you know, what you want to do, quitting a job during Mercury retrograde is probably fine um, because the issues will have come up earlier than that by far if you're thinking about quitting an entire job. Um, looking for a new job and signing contracts during Mercury retrograde may pose some problems. So if you're going to quit a job, I think rationally and, and um, tangibly, I would say, make sure you have a plan, or at least you have enough um, resources to give yourself comfort of time to figure things out afterwards, because you are um, choosing a time where things are meant to be up in the air and meant to be a little bit scattered in order to be reorganized. And if that's what you're wanting, great, this is the time. Uh, if that's not what you're wanting and you have the ability to hold out a little longer, great. If you are so miserable, it's hurting your mental health. I say, don't even care about astrology. Do what you need to do for yourself. Um, yeah, people have been seeing a lot of angel numbers. This time of year, we're a lot more open to them as well, as we're all celebrating the various holidays and really remembering that connection. I think part of the holiday spirit is remembering how connected we are to something greater whatever our, our focus is, whatever our belief system is. And that's really, really helpful that way too. Um, Tage, thank you. I'm so glad that that was a satisfactory explanation. Uh, Jenny, looking forward to being doing some shadow work, which is odd to just feel like it's time to move. This is, yeah, you're going to feel like it's time to move. And there's a lot of, this is what I would consider wiggle room 
right? Move around and let yourself sort of dance and get it wrong. This is the time for choreography, maybe not for putting on the show, but for working out the moves. So definitely, if you're feeling that restlessness, you can put it to good use. All right. Um, all right, and I can, oh, and Melly says, thank you. Thank you, guys. Heather, great of you to join. We are wrapping this up. Guess what? I get to go and teach a live lesson for Forgotten Storytellers, some of whom were here today. So thank you guys so much. I'm going to pop over to another link and uh, explain some stuff about writing and how to use this energy for that. So Aaron, I will see you soon. To everyone else, thank you so much. And since this was a live episode, of the, uh, the Alchemist Inkwell. I hope you take all of this energy of Mercury retrograde, of the new moon, of the coming full moon, and the holiday season, and you <laughs> go make some magic. <laughs> I'm still so bad at that. I can't even do it on my own. I miss M, and we will be having her back very soon. Thank you, guys. I'm so glad some of you said go make some magic with me. I appreciate you. I was hoping you would. Bye.